Let us pray. Jesus, in thy cross are centered all the marvels of thy grace. Thou, my Savior, once hast entered through the, thy blood the holy place. Thy sacrifice holy there wrought my redemption. From Satan's dominion I now have exemption. The way is now free to the Father's high throne, where I may approach him in thy name alone. Amen. Amen. We approach the Father in Jesus' name. We approach him in order to worship him. The reason Moses originally gave Pharaoh for why he should let his people go was so that they might go into the wilderness and worship him. And we see what happened. Worship became tedious. Worship meant that they didn't get what their flesh desired, and they resented God. God taught them the true nature of their sin. He poisoned them with venom from serpents that taught them the origin of sin and how it courses through their veins. But he did this in order to show them what he would do with sin and to show them what the nature of all Christian worship is. It is to see Jesus. Believe me, Jesus said, the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. The Father seeks true worshipers by sending us Jesus. He doesn't seek true worshipers by stirring something in us, by giving us freedom, the kind that we would like, by solving all of our problems at a whim. How boring life would be, my daughter and I were talking this morning on the way to church. If everything we ever wanted were at our fingertips, because then we would lose what we truly want, which is also at our fingertips, and that is the access we have to God. True faith, and therefore true worship, consists of this, that we trust in Jesus. True worship ascribes proper worth, that's what the word means, to God. That's what it means to worship. We, we worship the Father in Jesus' name because it is Jesus who reconciles us to God. It is for Jesus' sake that God forgives us our sins and accepts us as his children. He accepts us as his children by regarding us as his children. He accepts us as his children by treating us like his children. So both by our baptism and in our life of prayer toward God, we are his. The Son of God redeemed us with his holy, precious blood and innocent suffering and death. God wants us to worship him because he loves us. When we know the value of God's price for us, we know our value as well. When we pray, we appeal to the worth of our Lord's sacrifice for us. When we pray, we worship God. This requires that we lack so that we might know the source of every good thing. But it requires more than that. It requires that we might ask the source of every good thing for what it is we desire. We always make use of our baptism and glorify God for his grace when we ask in Jesus' name. Jesus shows us the Father. He does this not only by coming from the Father, 
but by going back to the Father. He goes back to the Father by way of the cross when he bore all our wrath, all God's wrath against all our sin. And so he revealed the Father's love towards sinners. And so it is this that the Holy Spirit testifies to. We worship the Father in spirit and truth by believing what the Spirit of truth teaches us in Holy Scripture. Worshiping God consists of three things. First, we listen to God. We gather together to hear his holy word. We do this in Jesus' name. Second, we pray to God. We talk to him. We make our requests known to him. We present all our petitions to our faithful Father in heaven, and we do so in Jesus' name. Third, we live our lives to God. We not only sing his praises with words, but we live our praises with deeds. We do this in Jesus' name. All true worship begins in Jesus' name. That is when we listen to the word of God. That is why we are gathered here today. We will hear soon these girls articulate what it is that this baby received. And it should prove a comfort to all those who have prayed for them, even as it proves a comfort to you parents of little Lucas. Because you didn't see him do anything. You didn't see much happen. But today, by proxy, sort of, you see what happens. You see what happens when baptism is honored, when it is regarded as the work of God, so that these children grow to continue to depend on their Savior. Now the disciples also assembled where Jesus gathered them in order to learn his word. They knew that he had the words of eternal life, but they didn't always understand what Jesus was saying at least not before they received the anointing of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. By leading them into all truth, the Holy Spirit inspired these men to preach and write the very words to which we continue to listen today. The words of Scripture are God's words. They cannot deceive us because God cannot deceive us. What we have here in the Bible are not the mere words of men who are prone to error, confusion, and exaggeration. We have here the words of God, who does not and cannot lie. The promise of Scripture is to instruct us in righteousness, because that is what God intends to do when he speaks to us. The Bible was written for the very express purpose of being a light, to call us out of darkness, to an understanding and knowledge of God's gracious will toward us. The words of Scripture are clear. If ever it seems unclear at times, as it did to the disciples when Jesus spoke in figures of speech. This is not the fault of God's word. It is the fault of our own dull minds and our faithless hearts. Remember that. And this deficiency in us is simply further proof of how much we need God to speak to us. This is why we need what the disciples got. We don't need Jesus to speak more plainly than he does. His words are plenty clear. What we need is the Holy Spirit. We need what the Holy Spirit directs us to so that our hearts might be enlightened and our joy might be full. We need Jesus. We need a good conscience. We need what we received when we were baptized. The disciples kind of jumped the gun. And I think this makes it an appropriate text for confirmation. Now we know all things that you're saying. Huh? And now we know that you have no need 
for anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. They're so confident. They thought that they now understood what Jesus was saying. They thought. But their thoughts proved vain as hours later they scattered the scene of their Lord being arrested and beaten by soldiers. Their thoughts then sunk deep within their guilt-ridden hearts, full of shame and regret, far away from what the Spirit would teach them. They were scandalized to see him who came from the Father return to the Father the way Jesus said he would. It was not until Jesus appeared to them on Easter and breathed on them the Holy Spirit and so forgave them all their sins and taught them where God's grace is centered. It wasn't until then that the words Jesus spoke to them became crystal clear. So it will be for you. If God's word seems vague, doesn't seem to apply to your life. Especially as we worship here today, so much singing, so much talking, it's overwhelming. Let it be to you overwhelming. Find the clarity that you need by listening for what you know. Listen for Jesus. He takes your sins away. This is what God wants you to know. He's not extracting from you something that he desires by worship, that he commands. He's telling you to ask for what you lack. You find understanding in everything else besides by finding God's grace in Christ. How do we understand scripture? How else do we understand what seems hard? Jesus teaches us how. Jesus teaches us how to listen to the word of God by teaching us what always to listen for. We listen for that which Jesus accomplished on the cross for the salvation of the world. The Holy Spirit gives us a key to understanding Scripture by directing us to Christ's work of obedience to the Father. Here the Father's heart is revealed toward us. The Father's ears are open to us. Here we find the central focus of everything in the Bible. This is what it means to hear the word of God in Jesus' name. It is to expect to hear what Jesus did to save you. Or why else would God talk so much? It is to know that here are centered all the marvels of God's grace. We don't come to church to hear generic words about God. We come to hear the words of the triune God. The God who sent his son to save us from our sin, death, and the devil, and who sent his spirit to witness to our hearts that he did it for us. We see the clarity of Jesus' words only when we see the benefit of his works. In our gospel lesson, Jesus offers to his disciples some of the clearest words that he ever spoke. And here we see why people see that Jesus' words are unclear, that the Bible is vague. It's not that it is actually unclear, it's that they are so unbelievably clear that we literally cannot believe that he meant what he said. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. How can that be true? Because we pray in Jesus' name, that's how. The key to understanding Scripture is the same key to offering true prayer. It is Jesus. All true prayer begins when we pray in Jesus' name. That is when we pray believing in Jesus, that in Jesus the Father's heart is opened up 
and revealed. Only in Jesus is our righteous God shown to be favorably disposed toward us. This means that he doesn't demand something of you before he hears you. He is favorably disposed. He regards you as having the value of his own son's perfect life. He tells you to ask anything and he will give it. Jesus has already earned it for you. What do you want God to give you? Ask in Jesus' name and it is yours. Isn't that the clear meaning of what Jesus said? It's a promise. It means it's yours to believe. You can rely upon it. You can make use of it. Prayer isn't a means of grace. It is not our act of praying that earns what we're invited to ask for. It is Jesus. To pray in Jesus' name is to want what Jesus has earned for you. It is to want more than what your sinful flesh desires. It is to want what flesh and blood cannot inherit. What we pray in Jesus' name When we do, we always seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, even if we don't explicitly ask for it, because it is the righteousness of Jesus that covers the one who asks God that makes him worthy to access the Father in the first place. And so it is that when we pray for one thing, we truly want another. Have you noticed this? You begin to pray for some material blessing and you end up praying for stronger faith. You begin a prayer for a more reliable car, for a raise and pay for nicer things, and you end up praying for humility to be grateful for what you have. You pray for health, for alleviation from pain, for a way out of whatever burdens you, and you end up praying for perseverance to bear your cross. You pray for the conversion of a friend, for the repentance of a wayward loved one. And you end up praying that God give power to his word wherever it is spoken and preached in boldness to you in your own confession. This is praying in Jesus' name. It is praying for what Jesus prays for. It is praying for what what God will most certainly give. So when Jesus tells us to ask, whatever we ask the Father in his name, he will surely give us. He's giving to us the confidence toward the Father that he himself has. Think of that. The eternal Son of God, united to and begotten of the eternal Father by an inexpressible and everlasting love, this God expresses it. Not just by showing an example of what remarkable love does, but by loving you with love that embraces even your sinful heart, even your dirty life, even your embarrassing failures. And he claims it all for his own. It is a mysterious love that is revealed to you in the gospel. The very nature of God is made known only in this love that is extended to you. And it is summarized so beautifully here, so clearly in the promise that whatever you ask, he will give you. This love is a love that receives with utter delight even the imperfect prayers that are laced with the very sin you need to be saved from. It is a love that makes your sin his, a love that makes his eternal yes the answer to your every prayer. St. Paul writes, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. You are led by the Spirit of God to be certain of this. What can the Father deny you, whom he calls adopted sons, when he has handed everything over to his eternal Son? The faith that trusts in God's grace is the faith that cries out, Abba, Father. Can God ignore one whom the Spirit has taught to call him Father? How can he ignore your prayer when he cares so deeply about what you need? 
And if you ever doubt about whether God cares about your need, your sorrow, your trouble, your pain, and every little request you make, just look at where he cared about your sorrow, your trouble, and your pain when Jesus bore it. Look where he opened his heart to our brother's request in Gethsemane as he prayed that the cup might pass if it be his will. But here was found and is still found today the father's love for his son. It was found in the love that they both shared for us. That Jesus drank to the bitter dregs the wrath of God against you so that we might have peace in his name. Whatever else Jesus ever asked for, Jesus wanted this. Everything else he could wait for. But for this purpose he came. For this purpose he returned and for this purpose he prayed when he prayed. In the death of Jesus, we find revealed toward us the love of God by which the unsearchable unity of persons is held together. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When we see what this love has done to earn our salvation, we find ourselves loving what God loves. We find ourselves not only loving and wanting what the Father is pleased to give us, we find ourselves asking for it and everything else our hearts desire. Again, we do so in Jesus' name. We don't pray in order to become righteous before God. We pray because we are righteous before God. The Son of God who stands before his throne in heaven assures us that this is the constant basis of our confidence. We live in faith. We live in certainty. We live in Jesus' name. The Father wants you to ask. He wants you to ask for whatever you want in life. He wants you to ask because he wants to give you life. And so we live. We live by faith in Jesus' name. This isn't to say that we move on from hearing the word to being doers of the word. This isn't what it means to live in Jesus' name. We stand firm in that word. We cannot be doers of the word unless we continually remain hearers. And we will not remain hearers unless we continue to be in need of what God gives. And so being hearers, we expect to be made sinners. We expect to feel in our flesh that God says no. So that we might become acquainted with the source of all tribulation, the source of all sorrow, our sin. And all of this is so that he might drive us evermore and always to the victory, not that we win, but that he wins. He overcomes the world in order that our joy may be full. He overcomes the world so that we might access his victory in the forgiveness of our sins. It is, as St. Paul writes again, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So don't worry if you think you understand everything. Don't worry if you think you have way too much to learn. Don't worry when you come to church and it goes over your head. Don't worry. Rather, consider your need and ask God for what you lack. Whether this be understanding or whether this be some material thing that you need, You ask in Jesus' name, and so whatever you go home with, you go home with a Father's heart, with forgiveness. You go home with Jesus, who loves you. And so we commend to him our 
coming in and are going out, so that we might live a praiseworthy and pleasing life to God, glorify Him here in time and hereafter in eternity. This is true worship. This is true worship. That you hear, that you pray, and that when you see your doings speckled by failures and disappointments, then, dear Christians, hear and pray. Remember your value. Remember your value by appealing to the value of Jesus' holy life, which he gave into death for you. And there you find your life. Seeking your own need, you praise God. So see in Christ's doing the life God gives you and continue to pray in Jesus' name that he may continue to give it to you. Let us pray. To me, the preaching of the cross is wisdom everlasting. Thy death alone redeems my loss, on thee my burden casting. I, in thy name, a refuge claim from sin and death and from all shame. Blessed be thy name, O Jesus. Amen.